set a place. For me, my place is my bed, and I have a king-size bed, but I have four pillows on the bed, and in the morning after my husband, he's an early riser, opposites attract. Get used to it. I mean, you know, that's a part of life, and we're trying to mold somebody. One of the pages in the ODAT book says that we try to turn somebody into the image of, and like us of ourselves so that we can see the reflection of us in them. That didn't occur to me for a long time. So my husband is an early riser, and I'm a late owl. You know, I just I like to stay up until almost the birds are chirping. And um, so he gets out of bed in the morning, and I, when I'm ready to get up and he brings me my coffee, I take his pillow and my pillow and our pillow and stuff it all up there, and, and I sit. Now, I have come to understand myself enough that I know that if I am the least bit distracted by anything that needs to be done, I've lost me. I've lost the ritual for that day. So it meant for me to turn my bed from looking out into the kitchen to looking out of my bedroom window where I could only see nature. Over the past five years, I've watched one of my seedling trees grow. I literally did take a seed, plant it in a coffee pot. It grew, and I planted it in the ground. When Logan came to live with us not quite five years ago, the tree was this thick, and we had to put, I put a wire around it because she thought it was one of her chewing sticks. That with the wonderful rain that we've had in Texas this year, my seed is now 20 feet high. It's a silver maple. It's the most incredible thing. I have blue jays in my backyard as a result of having a tree. I have a squirrel family back there now. I have, I have red birds. I have a mockingbird. And do you know their babies are born as neurotic as they are? <laughs> it's not a taught illness. Those, those crazy birds are born that goofy. And there was a baby mockingbird, and she's trying to tell the mother, the mother blackbird, now the, 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 the grackles. Do you know that grackle babies are bigger than their mothers? And, and there she's got twins, and their mouths are open, and the, and the mockingbird baby is trying to tell the grackle mother how to feed her children. And I could... I could relate. <laughs> so get in the mood. You know, get someplace wherever it is. Get a cozy chair. Put a chair in a room. Uh, set a place up in the living room. Fix a place at the kitchen table when you're all alone and put your books somewhere near that, maybe in a buffet, t- you know, in a drawer or something. But call it your own. Get in the mood. Put your favorite pen in there. You know, get your favorite Al-Anon literature in there and your favorite spiritual books. Create an environment for yourself. Because you can't start a ritual if you're not happily going into the area in which you will do your meditation. It has to be a place that brings you great peace and great joy. And my bed brings me great peace and great joy. You know, I love my bed. Um, And I have my flowers in there, you know, from Sam's. And I can see my trees grow and, and the wildlife out there. And I'm not, dis- I'm not distracted. If I, when I used to look out there, I could see my husband and I think, I'll bet he needs breakfast. I wonder if he changed the kitty litter. I'll bet he didn't feed the birds yet. I wonder if the coffee's done. You know, did he turn off? The- and-, and so that's why I turned the bed where I can't see anything but God. Because you see, if you're not looking, if you're if you're out there and you're not looking at God, whether it's out the window or in your mind, there is no way you can make the spiritual connection. And at first, it's going to be fragmented because you're going to be trying to think about God and wondering if if that check is going to come in the mail today. And oh my God, I forgot the dry cleaning last night. And and so, get in the mood. The next thing is to take the pressure off. Um, Journal writing shouldn't be thought of as a dreaded homework assignment. (laughs) 
um, you don't have to make an entry every day, but then again, I, you know me and my blank pages, blank checks, you know what kind of trouble that causes me. So I can't have any blank pages in my book either, so I have to write every day, but you may not need to make that commitment. What I'm trying to do, please always remember, I'm only sharing what's working for me. And, and the next guy to stand up here is going to make a whole different talk. You know, it's going to tell you their way that works for them. Face your feelings. Face your feelings. As scary as they are, you are the only person that's going to write that stuff down in the book. Nobody's going to see it. If you are feeling threatened that somebody in your household might read your journal, and I have sponsored two girls whose husbands have read their journal. I have also sponsored, I have also sponsored a woman who read her husband's journal and his fifth step or his four steps. So if you feel threatened by that, there are many, many briefcases that have locks on them. You know, if you have your, if you're, if you're lucky enough to have your own car, they have trunks. And some of them have keys, you know, separate keys, um, valet keys or whatever they call them that you can lock that and nobody else can go in there. If you're feeling threatened by that, secure your area. You know, it, it's yours. This is about life or, and death. Put your ODAP books in there. How many of you have gone in a meeting where, where you've heard a new Al-Anon say, I took my ODAP book home and my drunk husband destroyed the book because my recovery threatened him? You know, it, find places where you can keep your things and they're safe because you have to be able to be honest. And face your feelings. Writing down your innermost feelings make, take some practice, and it did for me. It took a lot of practice. There were months, perhaps years, I would stare at these things and say, how do I feel? How do I feel? I didn't even know where to start to write. How do I feel? I didn't know. where. You know, I just didn't know. So it, it might take some time before you start to connect with, with a feeling. And it might be embarrassing. It might, it might make you feel guilty. Write it down anyhow, and then protect your writing. Um, some people write on computers, you know, and, just, and then just blow the page up, you know, you know, backspace it all out of the universe, however you need to do that. Um, whatever works, you know, find whatever works. It doesn't matter what tool it is. You know, there's not definite tools here. There's a vast universe of tools for us to use. Find what works. Um, you can ask yourself things like, um, what is the main sensation in my body? You know, uh, do I feel an ache in my knee? You know, I'm having a lot of trouble with a sciatic nerve and, it, you know, I'm having a lot of sensation in my body. And um, so, you know, but whatever it is, you know, are you feeling like, are you feeling like maybe you need to tell somebody you're sorry? Are you feeling like somebody needs to hold you or hug you? Are you feeling lonely, angry, hungry, tired? What is your sensation? Write it down. Am I comfortable? You know, it takes years in this program until we become comfortable in our skin. Write about your discomforts. I walked into the meeting and it felt like nobody knew I was there. I walked into the meeting and it felt like everybody knew each other but me. You know, I, I, I started to eat dinner and realized I couldn't eat. What's wrong with me? Start asking yourself questions. What's wrong? You know, how did I feel about things? Get to know yourself. You know, you're worth it. We know, we think we know all these people, you know, and we've been 
It says, let there be no gossip or criticism of one another. Let the understanding piece of the program grow in us one day at a time. We know everything about everybody, but we don't know if we have an ache in our foot. You know, we don't know that we're feeling uncomfortable because we walked in the room and nobody said hello to us. Feel our feelings, whether it's sadness or joy. You know, jump for joy. It's okay. Um, what counts is that we are always present in the moment. You know, just be in the moment. Um, start there and soon you'll be reflecting on the past and planning for the future. You know, and you don't stay out there in the future and you don't stay out there in the past. The program tells me the past is full of, of guilt and the future is full of fears, so stay in the present. It's a gift from God. And, um, and, but we can make plans. We just can't plan the outcome. Keep your journal to yourself. You know, it's, it's your private thing with God. It's, it's just between you and your higher power. Your diary should not be for, all, for anybody else's eyes, only for your eyes to see. Subconsciously, you'll end up editing your feelings. If you, if you start thinking that somebody else is going to read it, or when I, what if I die? That was a good one. What if I die? <laughs> and I thought to myself, what if I die? Well, I'm going to die. <laughs> There's no two ways about that. Um, but I have decided that if my children, my child, or my, and my, or my daughter, whoever might read this, all they would know is I was, a, I was a woman in recovery and I was doing a hell of a job. And I had feelings and I, I felt love and I felt hate, you know, and I got excited and I felt disappointment. What's wrong with that? You know, if, if I die, my children will know I was working. I was working hard at becoming better. So um, keep it to yourself now, but if you die, who cares? Put your words to work. Of course, keeping a diary is a great way to chill out, meditate, or just be by yourself. But if you're writing to clarify your feelings and take care of unresolved problems, it should not be substituted for action. And I realize that I have had obsessions on the pages of my journal. I'm going to tell him this. The next page, I'm going to tell him this. Today, I'm really going to tell him this. Wait until he comes home for dinner tonight. I am going to tell him today. Today is the day, and I go on for months. I had, I had an obsession on my pages of my journal about a girl I sponsored. Believe it or not, that gal took up more energy than, my, than either one of my children's alcoholism ever did. And it was a startling thing for me to find out that I was obsessed with another person's recovery and that I wanted to take her and open her up and pour it in. And when I was finally encouraged to, to go to some workshops on, on uh, sponsorship and, and uh, when, I was in, when I heard those words about mutually rewarding relationships, I hopped on my little bicycle one Sunday afternoon and it is the only relationship that I have ever um, just absolutely cut off since I've been in this program and I said it just isn't working. And at the end of that, it wasn't a confrontation, I just said it, you know, we just talked about it. All of a sudden she went off like a rocket and she was telling me I hate alcoholics and I'm not going to open meetings and this and that and the other thing and I'm not. And I realized that all of a sudden it came to me, that is why we could, I couldn't get through to her. She had this thing that was blocking her from any new information. She was unwilling to accept alcoholism as a disease. And I realized that when she flew off the handle that Sunday afternoon. And I said to God, oh, thank you. Thank you for that. But you see, the journey that I went through with that was my willingness to finally go up to her and say, it's not working. And then God gave me the answer. 
then the next morning I'm walking the dog and I and you know whenever we take a right action then we always there's this large question mark did I oh my god should I maybe not have done that what if I hurt her feelings what if she never goes to Al-Anon again and um, I pulled out an old sponsorship tape that was another I mean these old tapes uh, from these workshops that you used to have here in California. It was an Ask It Basket. It was on sponsorship. And Winnie and Carol were also involved in that one, and it's a long time ago. And I put that in my little Walkman, and I'm listening to that. And there was like God was speaking through their voices and said you did the right thing because they happened to be talking about these relationships that don't work and our, and our need to keep hanging on to them, thinking just we'll try one more thing. And... Um, so anyhow, I, I have been so grateful, you know, about this journal because I have been able to look back and see things like having this obsession with this girl. Um, the 11th step, of course, talks about prayer and meditation and, um, and our route to improving our conscious contact with the God of our understanding. Meditation, of course, is different from prayer. It's as simple as knowing that in meditation we are listening to God, hopefully, and in, in prayer we are talking to God. Medi in meditation, I had to come to a point where I was aware of the fact that not every day God was going to speak to me. <laughs> I wanted that. You know, I wanted something every day. And, and I had to finally get to a place where I realized some days if I could just sit there and be quiet, I was, you know, I, I was doing okay. So, um... Meditation means opening my mind to spiritual energy and trying to receive a thought, you know, a positive thought really is what it's really all about. Meditation can create energy. If we, you know, when we're bogged down with problems, um, we, we just lose energy, we feel tired, but if you meditate and try to give some of these problems to God, perhaps you will be energized. Tools for meditation. There are many of them out there. Experiment with something. Some people love music. In Crested Butte, um, we have a meditation every morning at 7.30. And a couple of women from Dallas usually, I mean, year after year, have led the meditations. And they use music for meditation there. And it's a wonderful atmosphere. It's very quiet in the morning. And the people are dressed to go on their whatever thing they're going to do next. They come in their hiking clothes and whatever and, and sit down. And it's totally quiet in that room. And, um, and they put a little music on. And, and in Crested Butte, I can meditate very beautifully with music. I love, I love the energy in the room there, and I never miss a meditation in Crested Butte. If you're not sure how to meditate, join a meditating class. There's lots of things going on out there. You know, we can do whatever we want to further our spiritual journey as long as we don't talk about it in an Al-Anon meeting. You know, we can't say, you know, I went to the... Maharishi and and sat there in in the temple and I you know and I think everybody in Al-Anon should do this you know or I read this spiritual book by this spiritual writer and his it seems to be program so I think all of us should read that you can do whatever you want to further your spiritual journey as long as you only talk about conference approved literature in an Al-Anon meeting and the big book bill says go for it you know there are many things out there available to you Find what works, that's all. But we only use conference-approved literature in the meeting of Al-Anon. So if you like music, there's, there's tapes, you know, there's borders across the street. They have all kinds of meditation 
tapes in a bookstore. You know, get a couple of tapes, listen to tinkling bells or waterfalls or birds or, or whales or whatever there is, you know, or just low music. Uh, um, I think sometimes just, I love Anya, or however you say her name, she's from, from Ireland. If I put Anya on very softly, her um, that Celtic music is so beautiful to me, you know. Um, I was introduced to classical music in this program. My mother and father always made fun of it, and I have developed a, a nurturing appreciation for classical music. And so I like to listen to that from, from time to time. There's also other um, musical things that I like to listen to. Find who you are. Experiment. So it costs you $15 for a tape, and when you get it home, you think, eh, I don't like it. You're worth $15. You're worth $7. You're worth whatever the cost is for the experiment. Go do what you need to do. Some people use books. They'll take a little paragraph out of a book. They'll meditate on that. One of the things I do, it's a mantra for me, and, it's, and, and it, it is a very soothing thing when I get upset, and I think it's a psalm. I'm not really sure, but it says, The journey you're on is under the eye of the Lord. The journey you're on is under the eye of the Lord. And sometimes I feel like God surely made a mistake. He certainly did not want me to experience this thing. And if I remind myself that my journey is under God's eye, I'm going to be okay. So sometimes I do that. Um, the prayers that I use are simply the third and seventh step prayer. But I couldn't feel real connected to the God of my understanding and just kneeling down and praying. I am a ritual person. So I had to develop more, and I read, and I read, and I read until I found something that somebody else shared. This spiritual man that I like, he went to a spiritual advisor, and many spiritual advisors, until he came up with something, and then he shared what he found. And what I do, and this is what I do, and um, I just start by putting my hands above my head, and I found that encircling myself, and saying that the love of God surrounds me in the light of God, and the power of God, and the presence of God. You know, and that's called the prayer of protection. And for some reason or other, when my eyes are closed and I make this circle around myself, I feel that I have been enclosed in the love of God. I also do a couple of other ritual things that I have picked up along the way. They work for me. They might not work for you. One thing is Catholic. One thing is something else. I don't know. I, am, I don't go to church. I am of no religion. I never went back to church after I joined this program. I feel like I have gotten more spirituality in the walls of Al-Anon than I've ever gotten in church, but I'm not saying there is anything wrong with church. It's what works for me. I don't go. I tried to be Mormon one time because my husband is from a Mormon family, and all they were doing was preparing for the end, and it scared the fool out of me. It didn't work for me. I told you how I was about, you know, the B-2 bomber and, and the, you know, and I can't do it. I mean, you know, I always felt like, I'd, I mean, I wanted to look forward to a happy, joyous, and free, and I'm saving barrels of things and water, and I mean, it just, I only saw that as gloom and doom, and I'm sure that's not what that's all about, but that's what I perceived, and so it didn't work. So I don't have a religion. So what I'm telling you is, these things I do to you, I'm not giving you a religion. I'm, I'm only sharing with you a combination of things that I have formulated and put together that work for me. Find your own stuff, whatever it is. It's wonderful. One morning I was in, um, I was in Toronto, and I got up for a sunrise walk. This was last June. And it was a gloomy, gray day that you could have sliced with a knife. You know one of those kinds of days? And I hopped out of bed at quarter to six, and I got on my knees, and I always sleep with, I always try to get in a room on a higher floor because I don't like to close the drapes. 
and it doesn't have anything to do with fears at all. I'm not afraid of the dark. I just like to see the daybreak, you know, and so I don't want to miss it, so I don't close my drapes at home either. I like to watch, I like to watch the day come, and even though I don't get up out of bed very early, I do like to stay there, and I get up early enough a lot of times to watch the day come in. <clears throat> it's a reminder of each day is a new beginning for me. And so this particular morning, I hopped out of bed at 6 o'clock. The drape is open. It looks like we, you know, I thought we're not even going to be able to see each other walking down, you know, if we walk together, yet alone, you know, I thought it's probably going to rain, and then what's my hair going to look like? I mean, it's only quarter to 6. I haven't even prayed yet, and I'm worried about all these things. And I got on my knees, and I did my thing about the light of God surrounds me and the love of God enfolds me. And I happened to open one eye because it, it appeared to me it was getting brighter in the room. And for a very split second, the sun came out. And, and the way that it shined in through the window, it silhouetted my reflection on the wall in front of me. And I could see myself in the light. And it was a profound experience. I couldn't believe it because just that fast, the sun went away and the clouds came thick again and it was all gone. But for that one moment, I was actually felt like I was surrounded in the light. Sunsets, sunrises, they are very spiritual. If you're a kind of a person who likes to go sit out on your patio and watch the sunrise or the sunset, that's a very beautiful way to meditate and connect with the power of God. I like flowers. I like birds. I like scenery. Uh, but I also like to stay in bed, so I don't get up. But if that works for you, go outside. I have a chair on the patio, and I always have these intentions. I'm going to go sit out there, and I don't. But the dog keeps bringing the ball. You know, once we're out in the yard, that's her territory. She wants to play ball, and so it doesn't work. Although Logan will often come and sit very quietly next to me while I pray, if I'm out in the yard, I'm, all, I'm fair game. And she doesn't understand that Mommy prays outside, too, so we don't go outside. Um, one of the things, of course, is to be, it's important that you are comfortable. You know, if you're sitting funny and you got a hip hurting or an elbow that's falling asleep or, or something, you know, or you're, you got your hair in a ponytail and your rubber band is too tight, to, you know, take the clips out of your hair and loosen up your hair. If you got a collar on that's too tight, loosen it up. You know, if your jammies are stuck, unstick them and, you know, just, just be comfortable. So, um, <laughs> um, on page 338 of The Courage to Change, it talks about meditation, and it says, to me, meditation is a higher spiritual awareness, a practice, re I practice remembering uh, that every action can serve a spiritual purpose. Now, I've numbered these, but they're not numbered in The Courage to Change. It says, one, I go to a quiet place, close my eyes, and repeat the words of the serenity prayer to myself in a gentle voice. I need to get beyond my thoughts, so I concentrate on my breathing, counting from 1 to 10 and, and over and over as I breathe in and I breathe out. I breathe in and I breathe out. I simply set back my watch, sit back and watch my thoughts as if I were watching a play. I try to keep my attention on the present day only, leaving the past and future alone. I focus on flowers. When my thoughts stray, I accept that my mind is just doing its job, which is thinking, and then gently return to the subject of God. In my mind, I picture my higher power's hands. One by one, 
I place my problems and my worries, my joys and my gratitude in those big hands, and finally I climb into. And those are the words out of the courage to change. My ritual is meditation first, my journal is second, and I read my Al-Anon conference approved literature and I read one or two other spiritual books. And the reason that I meditate and then write in my journal next is because I tend to read something and then my thought process flows into what I have just read. What I want to write in my journal is my what is my reality from my meditation. So it's pure and, it's, and it is from me to God. In that, I also write down a, a honeydew list for myself. I don't know how you are, but I am the kind of person who puts at least 101 things on my honeydew list and then calls myself a failure because I did not complete the entire list. Don't sabotage yourself like that. We are comfortable thinking we're failures, and we're not failures, we're successes. But in order to see ourselves as successes, we have to give our things things or give ourselves things that we can do successfully. We have always sabotaged our well by doing too much or not enough for creating environments for people and then having them unhappy. Cut your list down so you can succeed. And at the end of the day, I usually write in my journal, I did it. I did it. You know, celebrate your recovery. Nobody else is going to celebrate your recovery but you. Celebrate. So shorten that list down to two or three things that you really know you can get done. You can make the bank deposit. You can take the car and whiz it through the car wash. You can go to the grocery store. You can fix dinner. I can do that. See, now I'm a success. But, but if I then wash the dog and iron those two white shirts that I've been procrastinating about for a long time and enter 15 of those registration cards for Crested Butte, I am really a success. I have really, I am excited about my day. I did it. You know, I got, I got a lot accomplished today. So cut yourself some slack. Be a success. Celebrate your recovery. Celebrate your goals. Celebrate your accomplishments. You're worth it. Because if you're looking for that girl, you aren't going to get it. You are not going to get it. So um, I write down my honeydew list in my journal. And, and you know, my, I usually start my journal out. I, not usually, that's a lie. Every day I start my first journal entry out by saying, Dearest God, dearest Father, dearest Heavenly Spirit, you know, dear Holy Spirit, whatever. You know, it changes every day for me. I'm like a goose in a new world. Um, but I start out my letter to God with dear God, you know, and, and write in there whatever and that I need to write in there. And then my things that I want to accomplish that day. And then I always end by saying, thy will, not mine, be done. It's a reminder for me. Um, the 11th step um, asks us to improve our conscious contact with God. So I am affirming that by saying, the knowledge of your will for me, you know, and the power to carry that out. Thy will only be done in my life today. So I write myself affirmations. The fruit of meditation is emotional balance, and it's not going to stick with you all day long on most days. We're human beings. We're, we're going to lose it. You know, if the, if the toilet doesn't flush right, we can forget all of that spirituality, you know, in just a matter of a moment. Um, but God is so pleased with those of us who at least try. 
you know, it's effort results, effort results, effort results. Try, you know, he, he just is so exciting. He, it's exciting to God. Um, there's a little thing that I like. It's called um, love is the answer. It says love is not getting but giving. Love is sacrifice, and sacrifice is glorious. Attention is not love. Controlling a person does not signify love. Love frees others from our grip. Love allows them to return to their own. Love is placing others' personal needs above our own without regret. Love is selfless yet exhilarates self. Giving love softens the edges. Love completes us and connects us. Wanting love is normal, is a normal human desire. We will receive love, the less our emphasis is on getting it. We invite love when we freely and honestly give it. An invitation for love comes from being ourselves. Love inspires, love's bright, love brightens our way, love lessens our burdens, love makes, us, makes our unfolding possible. And I won't look for love today, I will give love today. Love will bless me tenfold. And I believe that's from, uh, I believe that's, from page uh, 312 of either The Courage to Change or the ODAT book, I'm not sure which. Um, in step 12, <clears throat> having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry the message and practice the principles in all our affairs. And there's a lot of key things in there. You know, it, it requires us to change our values, learn how to love and serve, and to learn, to learn how to learn. This program is about learning how to learn. Uh, let's see. When I um, came into this program, I was a bank teller, and I uh, carried the message to my customers. And I scared the heck out of most of them because they were living in active alcoholism. And I actually worked for an alcoholic family in that bank. So I've had to learn through trial and error where it is that I am to carry the message. And it is to people who want it, not to people who need it. And um, by being in this room today, you are people who wanted it. And I am a person who has been asked to serve. And it's been a really gratifying experience for me. Um, there are many ways that you can serve this fellowship, you know, fixing the chairs, picking up the coffee cups, chairing a meeting, going to a meeting, sponsoring people, you know, being sponsored. There's a lot of things you can do. Be the literature chairman, you know, whatever you need to do. Learn how to serve this fellowship. Learn how to hug people. Learn how to break out of your comfortable little group of friends. And when you see the newcomer walk in the door, step out of there and go and say hello. And I have a sponsor who's been, my sponsor started to come to my home group after I asked her to be my sponsor a few years ago. And um, so I see her every Thursday. And if I am nested in my little clique of friends, you know, we're talking about everything except what we should be paying attention to, my sponsor will say, Beverly, I think that's a newcomer. And so she encourages me to carry the message to somebody who, has, who wants it. Um, I'm going to close the meeting now. I think we have all sat enough, and I am certainly out of words. But I'd like to read one little thing to you because I think this is just a marvelous little book. 
And um, I picked it up somewhere in my travels. It's written by Kim Anderson. It is not conference-approved literature, but you all, all have to just excuse me, fire me, whatever, report me to World Service, whatever you'd like to do. But I think that this little book is just the most precious, precious little book in the whole world, and it's done in black and white, and it's little tiny children. They're like five or six years old, and it's little boy and little girl, and they're in old-fashioned clothes, and each one of them is different. It says... I know you'll understand how inadequate these words are to describe the joy and wonder I feel about us. When I try to define special meanings you've added to my life, I can't. So I just say thank you, and I know you'll understand. And here he's given her a little rose, and she's got a little hat on, and he's on his knees. And uh, it says, you make the difference between feeling lost and feeling at home, between listening to my fears and following my heart, between having a to play a role in feeling free to be myself, between giving up on my problems and giving them one more try. And here he's singing, he's playing whatever kind of a musical instrument that is, I'm not sure, and she's got her little hat on and she's just joyfully listening to him. And it says it's such a comfort to know that whenever the stress and demands of the outside world get us down, we can count on each other's warmth and support to help build us back up. We're here for each other through the highest and the lowest of times, applauding success and easing the pain of defeat, sharing the magic of each other's dreams and working together to make them come true. And here they're just in a little flower market and they're, and they're dressed in their little old-fashioned clothes. And it says, we enjoy the ease of relating that lets us be completely ourselves when we open up to reveal our innermost thoughts and secrets, we can trust each other to treat them with care. We realize that things won't always go our way. And when we give in a little more than we'd like, it's not a defeat, it's an investment. We know that in choosing to share our lives, sometimes we'll have to give up a little more than ourselves to gain so much more together. And here she's walking in the rain with her little rose, and it says, you share my joy in good times, and help me see the humor in the bad times. You su your support makes everything a little easier, and that makes a big difference. You listen sensitively through, uh, sensitively enough to really hear me, to look deeply enough to really see me, and you always make time to make me feel worthwhile. And here they are under a little umbrella, and it says, "You're my best friend. I can trust you to show me patience when the world is too demanding." acceptance when others are judgmental, loyal support when others turn away. And here they're walking together with their little hat boxes, and it says, I wish that you could know the strength I draw from the closeness we share, the trust I feel. When I look into your eyes, I, the comfort I feel. When I hear your voice in happiness, I know wherever I am, I am with you. I wish I could somehow repay for the gifts that you have made my life complete, the warmth of your companionship, the depth of your understanding, the consistency of your support. You ask nothing of me, yet nothing I could ever do, yet nothing I could ever give you could ever be uh, enough. I don't often communicate how much your support does for me, that yours is the stability that calms me in times of confusion, the comfort that eases my deepest sorrows, or the encouragement that so often makes the difference between giving up and giving my all. 
I don't often express how great a difference you always make by offering me open arms when I need to be held, a listening ear when I need to be heard, yourself when I need to feel loved. So what better way to thank you simply for being the most important person in my life for what you've done more for me than anyone else has, and you mean more to me than anyone else ever will. When I am stubborn, you see behind my charades, I sometimes play and gently push me towards the person I'd rather be. When I am frightened, your comfort tells me what I need to hear most. I am not alone. When I am hurting, I need to be reminded of the pains my struggles create in you, for I am not used to having someone care so much about me that my suffering becomes theirs. Your support means a lot to me. Your love means everything. It's comforting to know we can count on each other to understand our most complex ideas, to share our deepest feelings. We can talk openly and trust that our words won't be judged. Our communication is easy, nourishing, and complete. My wish is for us that we will continue to share new interests and adventures and allow each other freedom to, to develop as individuals as well, that our faith won't be shaken by occasional feelings of hurt and anger, that we'll continue to acknowledge our differences openly and to see them as opportunities to learn and grow closer, that I will find in each disagreement the patience to listen, the courage to trust, the strength to forgive, We'll never forget the qualities that first attracted us to each other and how much we still appreciate them. We'll always inspire the best in each other, applauding success, nurturing strengths, believing in each other's dreams, and working as one to make them come true. We don't know what challenges lie ahead or where our paths will lead us, but what I do know is that I'm here for you today to listen, to talk, to applaud or console, to need, um, to want to need and I love you with all of my heart and I believe that's the way I feel about Al-Anon and about each and every one of you and I have um, here some folders which I promised you a present but first of all two people in this room have something underneath their chair it's a, a this is the end of tape three please use your fast forward to run off any remaining tape